Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the river. Turn with me real quickly to Genesis chapter 26. And I want to continue on with the thought that we began last week in digging fresh wells. I'm ready for some fresh wells, aren't you? Some fresh flowing uh, power of God in my life and fresh flowing uh, resources uh, that He provides and promises to provide flowing into my church and into my personal life as well. And so we're going to continue that thought, finish that thought actually this morning. And, and so if you'll turn with me to Genesis chapter 26, we're going to pick it up here in verse 15 this morning. Remember last week we talked about Isaac and we talked about how his father had just died and now the, uh, the mantle, so to speak, the patriarchal mantle had flowed over to him and he had began to now uh, be the heir and walking in the new covenant that God had given Abraham. Now Isaac has been transferred, all that's been transferred to him. And after his father dies, a famine hits the land and he begins to travel to Gerar. God tells him as he's traveling, he tells him to stay there. And he would bless him in the midst of the famine that was taking place. Anybody need be, needs to be blessed in the midst of some famine in their lives this morning. There's a word for you today. God's got one coming your direction. We talked about how we have to respond to challenges with total confidence and trust in God. We need to respond to challenges with total confidence and trust in God. Amen? Nothing's going to work in our life if we don't trust the Lord with it. Everything that we have, everything that we've been given, we need to trust God to help us uh, maintain it and handle it if we expect for it to be productive in our lives. I said receiving the provision of God is not difficult. Rather, it is a matter of waiting and trusting in Him. Anybody else have a difficulty trusting and waiting on the Lord? We all probably do at some level in our lives. And so we have to learn how to do that. If we do what God is entrusting us to do, He will take care of every other situation in our lives. We also talked about the truth that God's provision does not depend on, world's, on the world's supply. God's provision does not depend on the world's supply. He does not need the world's system or the world's constituency to take care of His people. Let me say that again. He doesn't need the world system or the world's constituency to take care of his people. He can do that all by himself. He doesn't need anybody's help in doing that. And so we're looking now at the latter part of verse 14. It said, the Philistines envied him. We talked about that a little bit last week. But we see that God is blessing Isaac and the people around him are starting to take notice of God's blessing in his life. And so now let's look at the Philistine response to the blessing that is being transferred onto Isaac's life. Let's look at Genesis chapter 26, verse 15. It says, Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And they had filled them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for, we, for you are much mightier than we. Point number four, because we did three points last week, so we're picking it up with that point number four. Don't think the pastor's lost his mind. He knows where he's at. Point number four, God's blessing is always met with opposition. God's blessing is always met with opposition. The blessing of the Lord upon your life is often met with malice and envy. Right? 
Has anybody ever experienced that where you have been blessed by God and you go to tell somebody what God's doing in your life and it's almost disappointing to them that they've been that you've been blessed? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. You all got that family member. You all got that family member that you go to and you say, listen, I just got a raise at work and God's blessing me and He's promoting me and they're like, well, I wish somebody would promote me. I wish somebody would bless me. I don't know why God's always blessing you and He's not blessing me. We all know those people. They're not just in the church world, they're also in the, in the world world, right? And a lot of times when we are blessed by God, people begin to take notice, but they initially begin become envious and malicious toward what God is doing in their life, in, in our lives. And so we see this really taking place with Isaac. Abimelech had made a covenant with Isaac. He said, look, here's the deal. I want you to come live here and we're going to take care of each other and we'll work together. And then all of a sudden, God starts blessing Isaac and Abimelech gets aggravated about it and says, look, I don't want anything to do with you now. I wish you'd just go. You're making me feel bad about myself. You're making me feel bad about my current situation. All of us are starving and God's blessing you and I just really wish you'd just get out of my face because I don't want to see God's hand of blessing upon your life. Abimelech was okay with Isaac when Isaac was in need. He didn't have a problem with him when he was in need. When Isaac was coming and struggling and he was barely getting his herd there and his cows looked like they were sick and his sheep looked like they were about to fall apart. All that was fine with Abimelech. He had no problem bringing eyes again. Because why? Because misery generally loves company, right? But now that Isaac is being blessed and he is following the will of God, God said, stay put right here. I'm going to make a spectacle of you in the midst of this famine right here where everybody in the Philistine nation can see who the real God is. We all know the truth about, I mean, know the story of the Philistines. They served other gods. They served, they didn't serve Jehovah. They didn't serve the God Almighty, the real God. They served other gods. And so God brought his servant right here in the midst of this situation and begins to put his hand upon his life and blesses him so that the enemy will take notice. What does Isaac do in response to Abimelech? Verse 17 says this. It says, Then Isaac departed from there, And he pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, and he dwelt there. Notice what Isaac does here. It's important for us to get this. Isaac doesn't fight with him. He doesn't say, look, you had a covenant with me, you had an agreement with me, and now you're backing out of your agreement. You have to stand up to what you said you would do, and you have to honor what you said you would do for me. No, Isaac just says, okay, that's fine. If you don't want me here, then I'm going to move on. Isaac goes on, and he begins to dwell in the valley of Gerar, And it says that he dwelt there. Isaac doesn't fight with him because he understands this fact. And this is something you ought to write down. The blessing of the Lord is not geographical. It is incarnational. The blessing of the Lord is not geographical. It's incarnational. Isaac understood that it didn't really matter where he lived. It didn't really matter where God planted him because wherever God put him, wherever God sent him, God was going to bless him regardless of his location. Some of you in the house today need to understand this fact that it doesn't matter where you find yourself in your current circumstance. It doesn't matter where you find yourself as far as employment, as far as relationship, as far as anything in life. The fact is God can bless you right where you are and nothing has to change except for the fact that you're now receiving what God's trying to do in your life. 
It's incarnational. What do I mean by that? I mean that the life of Christ is working in you to produce what Christ does in your life. God is working in your life. As you receive Him as your Lord and Savior, His body becomes a part of your body and your life becomes a part of His life. And so you are no longer separate from Him, but you are one with Him. And so the incarnational power of Jesus Christ, just like He was manifested in the flesh on this earth, can, is the same power that works in your life and God wants to do in you. And so you can have the Christ life working in you on a regular basis if you'll just receive that and release it out of your life. It's incarnational. It's a part of who you are. Paul said, I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. A lot of us understand the fact that now that we've gotten saved, we're in Christ. And now we've become a part of His family and we're a part of His body. But I think a lot of us struggle to understand that also Christ is in you. And the same power, Ephesians says, that raised Christ from the dead is working in you. That we may know the power of His resurrections, Philippians says. We have the power of God trying to work in our lives, but sometimes there's just some stuff in the way. And I'll tell you, there's nothing that will bring it out more uh, opposition in your life is when you begin to move that stuff out of the way and God begins to bless you and God begins to pour into your life, you begin to face opposition. And that's what we see happening here as Isaac begins to move and begins to follow the leading of the Lord. It doesn't matter where I live or where I work. It doesn't matter what I do because the blessing of God follows me as his child. It follows me as his child. Verse 18. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Point number five is this. We have some wells that need to be unclogged. Everybody in this church has some wells that need to be unclogged. Let me say that again until I get a response. Everybody in this church has some wells that need to be unclogged. Let me help you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got some wells that need to be unclogged. It's easier to tell somebody else, isn't it, than tell yourself. I have no problem telling that person they got some wells that need to be unclogged. We all have some wells that need to be unclogged. We have some wells that are trying to work in our lives right now, but the enemy has clogged them up and is restricting the flow of provision into your life. These wells represent promises to you that precede, listen to this, precede your time on this earth. They represent promises that have been bestowed upon you as an inheritance from the work that Christ did at Calvary's cross. Those are for you. And every single one of those in Christ are yes and in Christ are amen for you. They are for you. And so let's get all the stuff out of the way that is restricting that flow and begin to allow the God that we serve to begin to pour into our lives and flow through us in a powerful and fresh way. God made some provision for you on the cross and these wells represent those promises. They represent those promises. Verse 18 says, Isaac dug again the wells of water which they dug in the days of Abraham your father. 
As a son or daughter of a righteous father, you have some things that are just yours as an inheritance. Isaac had some things that just automatically transferred over to him because he was the son of Abraham. That sounds like a pretty good deal. Now, if, you, if there's any rich people in the house and you've uh, received uh, your wealth as a transfer of something that your parents did, you understand that concept. That you were blessed because not necessarily the things that you did, but because of something that somebody else did, and that just transferred over to you in, as time went on. It's the same way with us as children of God. Listen, Christ did some work for us at Calvary that transfers over to us today. And so we have the blessing not because of what we've done or not because of what we've earned, but because of what our Father did at Calvary 2,000 years ago. And that flows to us today. Isaac dug again the wells of water which they dug in the days of Abraham, his father. Your righteous father has transferred some things over to you. But the enemy is doing all he can to stop the free flow of blessing into your life. He does this in multiple ways. Now listen, he will make you busy and stop the flow of joy and rest. He will make you worried and stop the flow of trust and confidence in the Lord. He will make you fearful and he will stop the flow of faith in your life. He will make you complacent and he will stop the flow of ministry in your life. He will make you bitter and negative and he will stop the flow of hope and confidence in people. He will make you angry and he will stop the flow of kindness in your life. He will make you frustrated and stop the flow of gentleness and patience. He will make you jaded and stop the flow of love. He will make you critical and stop the flow of grace. And so all of these are wells that your father has dug many years ago. But the enemy has come in because of his cunning and his shiftiness and his craftiness and he's begun to clog up some of those wells you've had some past experiences come along and they have hurt your confidence in people and all the time the enemy was just throwing junk down into the well of life that God had made clear flowing for you to show the love of Christ to other people and he began to clog that up and so suddenly you become jaded and you don't have any love for people anymore you're not confident in people you don't trust them anymore and you don't believe the best Uh, is yet to come in their lives for them. You see how the enemy works? He takes the circumstances and the difficulties that we face throughout this life and he begins to make us uh, clogged up. He begins to stop and restrict the flow of God's grace and mercy and all the gifts of the Spirit in our lives. We have to go into those places and we have to begin to dig those things out. You know... This is not my notes, but these are things that I'm just thinking of as I'm preaching here. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen a well. You know, they're just deep, dark holes. And, and I've seen shows where people go down into a well and they're looking for something in particular. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to go down into a well and begin to clean something out. It's just nasty. You don't know what you're going to find down there. You don't know what's waiting on you down there. And you know that it's going to be just an unpleasant experience altogether. Let me say something to you. It doesn't matter. It's the same thing in your own life. When you begin to go into those places where the enemy has clogged up, you begin to dig down into some of the deep recesses of your heart, it's unpleasant. It's not fun. Man, there's pain there. There's hurt there. There's a lot of junk there that I didn't even know or realize even even existed in that place. But when we go into that secret place, those reserved places that we have kept back from the Lord all of our lives, when we go into those places and we begin to clean those things out, 
oh, the healing power of God begins to flow. And those, those clean waters begin to flow again. And that richness begins to flow again. And suddenly you've got something that's real and alive and working in your life. And God has taken all that junk that the enemy has planted there and cleaned it out for you. Let God do that. Don't let the enemy stop up the wells in your life. Your father has dug some wells for you through his provision on the cross. And we want to keep those wells clean and and refreshing. I like what Isaiah did in verse 18. It says, he dug again the wells of water and he called them by the names which his father had called them. We don't have to reinvent the wheel here, right? We're not having to come up with a new grace or a new love or a new patience or a new kindness or anything new in the gifts of the Spirit. We just need to redig those old wells that God had already established and let them flow again freely in our lives. He called them by the names of His Father. I'm redigging the well of grace. Are you? I'm going to redig the well of faith in my life. There's some things that may be stopping that. I want it to flow freely. I want to redig the well of ministry. Let me just say to some of you in this place, you have let past experiences in ministry hinder you from doing anything future in ministry. Clean the clogs out. Let God begin to do a new work in your life and let it flow freely throughout you. God will do something great if you'll allow Him to do that. I'm redigging the well of trust and confidence. Not only in God, but in people. Does anybody ever struggle with having confidence in people? Amen. Praise the Lord. A lot of us do. Why? Because people let us down. They fail us. And no matter how much they want to do what's right, they're always going to fail you. Not because they want to. Not because they're sorry dogs. Not because they're worthless pieces of humanity. No, simply because they're human. And because they fail from time to time. And you know what? Here's what I say to that, and I don't do this well myself. I'm confessing to you. But the same grace we want to receive is the same grace we ought to offer. And if we want somebody to overlook our failures and mistakes and the times we drop the ball, then we ought to do the same for somebody else. Amen? It's hard to do. Jesus was master at that. Genesis 26, 19. Also Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Esek, because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one as well. So he called its name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, because he said, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. The enemy not only is interested in clogging up the wells of your life, but he's also very good at claiming those things that are not his. He's very good at coming along after you've put in a lot of work and you've put in a lot of commitment and dedication to something. And and the enemy will come in and he will pull that stuff out from under you and you'll feel like you have wasted years. You have wasted all your effort. You have wasted all your time. But let me say to you this morning that nothing given to the Lord is ever wasted. Nothing given to God is ever lost. It may look like it on the surface. It may look like it on the outside. But let me tell you, there's an eternal reward coming. And God does not lose a thing that is entrusted into His hand. The enemy clogs up those wells. He claims those things that are not His. None of these things... 
belong to Him, right? Nothing belongs to Him. We know that. This is God's church. We're God's people. Your kids belong to the Lord. Your finances belong to God. Your future belongs to God. Your health belongs to God. Your life belongs to God. And the enemy can't stop you, but he can sure discourage you. He can sure put a damper on the day. He can sure make you not want to proceed further. He can sure make you want to throw in the towel, but he cannot stop you. He may take what is yours for a season, but God will move you beyond the theft and the curse of your enemy into the blessing and redemptive promise through His work at Calvary. Let me say it again. God will move you beyond the theft and the curse of your enemy into His redemptive promise that He did and completed at Calvary's cross. God's trying to move you beyond the current circumstance. He's trying to move you beyond the current curse upon your life. He's trying to move you beyond the current loss that you've experienced. And He's moving you into blessing. But we can't get hung up and focused on what the now is. We've got to stay focused on what He's doing in our lives and where He's taking us. Notice what Isaac did. It says the herdsman came and said, this well's ours. So he moves on down and he digs again. They claim that well, so he moves on down and digs again. He does this and repeats this until he finally comes to a place where the enemy stops claiming what is his. Point number six. If you'll dig, God will bless faster than your enemy can steal. If you'll dig, God will bless faster than your enemy can steal. Verse 22 says, So he called its name Rehoboth because he said, For now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. It does not matter what the enemy has stolen from you. It doesn't matter that he has destroyed some things in your life. The promise of the Lord is greater than the theft of your enemy and you will be fruitful in the land. You will be fruitful in the land. God will move you down the road and bless you faster than your enemy can come along and take things from your life. The key there is moving and digging. You got to move and you got to dig. You got to move and you got to dig. You can't get stationary. You can't get complacent. You can't get focused on the current situation. No, 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 no. You've got to move down the road and you got to put your hand to something and you've got to get to digging and let God begin to bless a new well in your life. Move and dig. Watch God bring forth water in every area of your life when you'll do that. Well, I should have never lost this. I know. Nobody's arguing that. There should have never been a broken relationship. There should have never been a terrible ministry experience. There should have, there should have never been a church that you went to that you didn't feel like you were welcome in. There should have never been any of those situations in your life. You should have never had to work for a boss that was mean to you, but you did. And that's a reality. But God's trying to define a new reality for your life. And if you'll just move from that situation that you're stuck in and dig on down the road a little bit, God will produce a new fresh well in your life and you'll forget about everything that was lost because the things that He's trying to do in your life are much better than anything you ever lost. If God allows the enemy to take those things from your life, it's for your own good. Amen? If He's allowing the enemy to pull some things out from under you, How many of you believe that God is stronger than the enemy? At my household, we believe that Jesus can beat up the devil. So so we don't have to worry about the devil because Jesus can beat him up. So if you believe that, then it doesn't matter. Whatever the enemy has taken from your life, God's just trying to give you something better in, in, in its place. 
And so if you'll just move on down and dig, dig, dig into it. God, what are you trying to do? Where are you trying to do it at? Where is your activity? Where are you working? Where can I connect with you at? Dig a new well. Genesis 26 and 23 as I get ready to wrap this up. He says, Then he went up from there to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I, the God of your father Abraham, do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you, multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. Now there's something that you ought to underline. Why is he blessing him? Not because of what Isaac's doing, but because of what his father did. God's blessing on your life is not because of what you do, it's because of what your father did, what Jesus Christ did at Calvary's cross. So he built an altar there and he called on the name of the Lord and he pitched his tent there and there Isaac's servants dug a well. God reaffirms himself to Isaac. He says, look, you're doing what I've asked you to do. You're doing good. I'm going to bless you just like I did your father. And so just keep on doing what you're doing and I'm going to take care of everything else. What's the point here? The point here is this. We can't become weary in well-doing. We cannot become weary in well-doing. The Bible says in Galatians, one of my favorite scriptures, do not become weary in well-doing. For in your season you will reap if you don't faint. If you don't quit, if you don't throw in the towel, if you don't throw your hands up in the air and say, I'm tired of this, God says there's a season coming your way and if you'll be faithful and stick with it, you're going to reap in that season. Isaac understands that. Isaac is in that season. God reaffirms himself to Isaac. He tells him, look, you're doing the right things. Keep on doing them. He says, dig a new well. The enemy will come and pollute it The enemy will come and stop it up. The enemy will come and claim it for himself. Just move and dig and let the blessings and provision flow richly and freely in your life. And so my final point is this, point number seven, is God is trying to impact others' lives through you. God is trying to impact others' lives through you. Verse 25 says, He built an altar there, and He called on the name of the Lord, and He pitched His tent there, And there Isaac's servants dug a well. Who dug a well? His servants dug a well. Isaac's faithfulness and persistence, his commitment to God didn't just impact him. It started to impact the lives of those around him. The faithfulness that you exhibit as a child of God the steadiness that you show before God, the determination to follow Him through whatever you face will make a difference in the lives of other people. They're going to catch what you're throwing. They're catching what you're throwing. And so whatever's coming out of your life, those around you are catching that. If it's cynicism, then guess what? You're going to find yourself surrounded with a bunch of cynical people. If it's hatefulness, you're going to find yourself surrounded with a bunch of hateful people. Rarely do you find a hateful person in the midst of a bunch of joyous people, right? Why? Because the old saying, birds of a feather flock together. And that is a fact. And so whatever you're throwing, that's what people around you are going to catch. And if you're throwing the love of Christ and you're throwing the life of Christ and you're throwing all these things out of you, then look. That's probably what you're going to surround yourself with and that's probably what people are going to pick up from you and that's probably going to be uh, represented in the friends that you have. And so some of you are sitting there in the seat and don't, don't look around, but you're sitting there thinking, I don't have any friends that are happy. 
I don't have anybody positive in my life. I don't have anybody that I know that says anything good. What is that a reflection of? Moving on. Not only will he impact those open to you, but he will also impact those once opposed to you. Look at Genesis 26, verse 26. Then Abimelech came to him from Gerar with Ahuzath, one of his friends, and Phicol, the commander of his army. And Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me since you hate me and have sent me away from you? But they said, We have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So we said, Let there now be an oath between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm since we have not touched you and since we have done nothing to you but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord will draw those who once opposed you to your side. I've seen it happen so many times in life. The person that, that is the meanest to you, the person that causes you the most trouble, when they are uh, met with grace and when they are met with love and they are met with compassion, oftentimes they come around, God does a work in their life through you, and many times they become a close friend, a, a very important friend in your life. God's trying to use you to impact somebody else. They were jealous and they wanted to send uh, Isaac away, but now they want to come close and they want to experience for themselves the blessing and the goodness of the Lord. Verse 28 and 29 says, he says, let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm since we've not touched you, since we have done nothing to you but good and have sent you away in peace. That doesn't sound like the story I read earlier, does it to you? Isaac could have said, look, Abimelech, hold up. You told me to leave. You yelled at me and you were quite rude. You didn't treat me with respect. Your guys came, they stopped up my wells, they came and claimed the property that wasn't theirs. He doesn't say any of those things. Instead, Isaac makes them a feast and he loves them. He shows them grace and forgiveness and as a result, he wins them over. Every one of us are going to be given an opportunity to show grace to those who don't deserve it. Why is that? Because each one of us were shown grace when we didn't deserve it. Every one of us in this house, I don't care how holy you think you are, it takes a great deal of grace for you to approach the Lord. It takes a great deal of His mercy on your life for you to approach Him because nobody's that holy, nobody's that right, nobody's that pure, only by the grace of God. And so we're all going to be given an opportunity to forgive those who have hurt us. We're going to be given an opportunity to show grace to those who don't deserve it. We'll be given an opportunity to honor those who have dishonored us. I love that Isaac not only said, he doesn't just say, okay, that sounds good, deal, off you go. He says, that's great. Now let me honor you by making you a feast. Let me honor you by having you sit at my table. Let me treat you with the greatest respect that I never received from you. Let me honor you well. When those opportunities come, we have to have the living water of God flowing in our lives. If we have not dug a fresh well and removed the pollution of the enemy out of those wells, then when that opportunity comes, we won't have the living water flowing from us. John seven thirty seven. 
It says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. God's wanting to dig some fresh wells in the lives of his people. God's wanting to dig some fresh wells in the life of his church. And so my question to you this morning, will you let him do that? Will you allow him to take you into those places that are scary and they're full of pain and they're full of heartache and allow you to clean out some of that stuff that has polluted your life and restricted the flow of his grace and love? Will you uh, allow him to uh, you know, move you down the road, so to speak, from that situation and dig a fresh well and forget about the past? Let it go. Let it go. That's one of the best things that we can learn to do in life is let it go. With every head bowed and every eye closed across this place this morning, are you facing opposition and becoming discouraged in the process? Are you trying to follow God this morning and it seems like every time you try to do what God's asking you to do, it seems like you're met with opposition? That's part of the process sometimes. But if you'll just continually move and dig, God will bring you past that curse and that conflict that you're currently facing. Do you have some wells in your life that need to be unclogged so the water of blessing and provision can flow freely? Are you focused on distractions of the enemy rather than focusing on the activity of the Father? Where is God trying to work in your life today? Forget about what you have lost. Forget about what the enemy has done. You're focused on the wrong character. Focus on the Father. What is his activity in your life today? Are you allowing God to impact others through you? Or are you just this reservoir where God's blessing flows into your life and just stops there? That's not what God designed you to be. He designed you to be a person who impacts others And he impacts others through you. With every head bowed and every eye closed across this place, you're here and you say, Pastor, I need to unclog some wells of the past and let them flow again. I need to let some things be healed in my life. I need to get rid of some stuff that I've been dragging around with me. I'm tired of being cynical. I'm tired of being bitter. I'm tired of being hurt. I'm tired of the pain. I'm tired of all that junk. And I'm ready for some fresh wells to flow in my life this morning. If that's you, would you slip your hand up and put it right back down? Amen. All across this place, all over the house, people raising their hands. You're here and you say, I've got a circumstance in my life that I have let just hold me in bondage for years and years and years. And I'm ready to move on down the road and begin to put my hand to the plow again and allow God to use me to dig some fresh wells in my life. I need that to happen. I need to move past my hurt. That's you. Would you slip your hand up and put it up? Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to do something this morning. I want everybody across this place to stand with me. If you raise your hand this morning, I want you to step out of your seat. Please come and find a place to pray in these altars and begin to seek after the Lord. Let God work in your life today. Let God take the word that has been imparted to you 
and produce some fruit from it. That's what this altar time is for. It's about cultivation. It's about cultivating that word and begin to allow it to work in you. Come on. Seek after him this morning. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Burt Burnett, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. Till I found myself face down on your shore. You say, Come to the river.